What is up and welcome to the Revival Podcast. I am your host, Jack Gallego, creator of Revival by Jack, aka the best protein cookie you will ever have in your life. Don't believe me? Give it a try for yourself by heading to revivalbyjack.com. I have a plethora of creative passions for all things health, fitness, food, and business. So in this podcast, I bring you episodes from myself and many other amazing guests that are going to help you gain clarity and confidence in your power to be and live the intuitive life that you freaking deserve. Something I have learned over this last year is that no matter what your background may be, There is nothing more empowering than hearing someone speak in their own power about their own craft and give you their own real unscripted stories. So let's get right to it. On this episode, I interview a Tampa local named Jen Tai. She is a lifestyle blogger at This Gen Girl and works a full-time nine-to-five as a social media specialist at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital. This woman literally submerges herself in all things foodie, fashion, and business savvy. And she spills all the dirt on how to actually grow your social media platform and why just having a large following simply isn't enough anymore. This is going to be one of those episodes that you are going to want to get a pen and paper for because you are going to have so many thoughts and ideas spark simply from her insight. Mostly. Everything that we're going to talk about is mostly just what you specialize in, which is social media and just using it to the best of your abilities to grow, whether it's your hobby, your job, um, like business, personal, all that good stuff. And I know that you are into blogging and you work as a social media specialist. So like how, and this is stuff like I've been wanting to know for a really long time, (laughs) just like, just like stuff about your life and just your perspective on it and everything. So how did you first get started into blogging? And um, because I know, didn't you start with fashion? I started with nail art. With nail art. Very, very niche topic. So when I was an undergrad at the University of South Florida, I kind of just got into nail art. And I don't know exactly how I started, but I was spending like two to three hours like painting my nails every single night and creating fun designs for like the season or holidays that would come up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into doing that. I think it was like maybe end of freshman year, sophomore year of college. And then, you know, I grew that platform I actually did really well with that platform as well. So I was doing some partnerships with like major nail polish brands like OPI, um, julep i don't know if that's still a brand now but like creating nail designs like really getting into the community and, and that was blogging I, or like instagram or blogging both. Blogging. Both. Both. yeah so okay. it started off as blogging and then like sophomore year of uh college was really when social media started kicking off as like a marketing tool mm-hmm. and instagram had come out so then i started using that to kind of cross promote and help support my blogging efforts and then when i graduated college and started my career i was like you know i really don't have two to three hours to be spending every night you know mm-hmm. as like an adult with a career. So I made the decision to rebrand to more of like a lifestyle brand that incorporated all the elements that I do on a daily basis. So, you know, like you eat every day, you get dressed every day, you put on makeup every day. And Mm -hmm. I found a way to incorporate that in my life and juggle that while also juggling a full-time career. Um, So that's kind of how it all started. And it's kind of 
um, evolved into mainly, you know, places to eat and things to do in the Tampa Bay area, um, places that you can go to that are either local or just like highlights of places that I've traveled to for like weddings and stuff like that. Um, and then a little bit of fashion and beauty. And I guess, um, like when did you realize, because did it start out, it started out as a hobby? Yes. Correct? And then yes. when did you realize like, whoa, I can actually like make this my, cause it's, it is your career. Yeah. So like, I guess it is, like, I, I guess I don't really consider it a career. I always tell people this is like my part-time passion project, but I guess in some ways, because I am getting paid for some of those things that I do, that it really is a career, but it's always just been like a big passion project of mine. You know, it started off that way when I started doing nail art. And then when I started doing the more lifestyle side of things, it was still just very much passion related, just writing about things that I'm passionate about and like sharing that information with my audience and the community. Cause I think the biggest thing is like, you know, you around the time that I started this and decided to focus on food, you had like platforms like, you know, Google and Yelp to really look at, uh, to reference whether or not you should eat at a restaurant. But outside of that, there wasn't really anyone telling you places that you could eat unless it was like word of mouth and you were just happy. You just happened to be talking to someone about it. Um, so it really just became a platform for me to like share the great places that I love to eat at, that I'm passionate about. And along the way, you know, as my brand started to grow, like you, when I started this off, I was taking pictures on my iPhone and I still have like in my old posts, if you scroll down to like the archives, there are like still iPhone, like four photos on my blog. Um, but you know, brands started taking note of it and it started off kind of just doing like, here's a free product or here's a free meal, you know, like, will you consider writing about us? And I've always had like a very strict policy that I only write about places or things that I can personally back, um, mm -hmm. especially when I'm not getting paid for the product. Um, and then eventually it turned into a, okay, now that I'm all set up with like a really nice camera and I have a good eye for taking photos and eventually these brands are going to use it as advertising material of their own, um, to start putting, you know, value behind that and getting paid for these kinds of partnerships. Do you say that like your love for social, well, like for like the realm of blogging and social media, is that why you went into being a social media specialist? Or how did, how did that happen? So I feel like they just go together. So that's another story in and of <laughs> itself. So when I started at USF, I was taking the traditional Asian route and I was in this accelerated seven-year med program through the USF Honors College. And then two years into it, I took organic chemistry and I was like, oh, this is not for me. And I was still very much passionate about the healthcare industry because I had shadowed at Tampa General Hospital. Mm -hmm. I was shadowing physicians um, with the critical care uh, team. And I really loved that. And I was really passionate about it, but I was not passionate about the coursework at all. And, you know, when I was in college, I was a big believer and I still kind of am a big believer of this now that like the courses that you take have to pertain to your end goal. So like, I can tell you there's no doctor now whoever took organic chemistry and is actively applying organic chemistry to things that they're doing when they're seeing oh, yeah. they're going into surgeries and such. So um, during that time when I was really lost on like what I wanted to do, I was actually do doing an internship with this brand. It was a, it was kind of like a social media agency uh, based in New York, but one of their clients was Procter and Gamble. 
And they were launching an ambassadorship program for Procter & Gamble called ReadyU. And it was about how you could incorporate, you know, these products into your college lifestyle, whether it be Old Spice or Tide or Downey. Um, so I was like this representative. And it was really just to make money on the side. But as I kept on doing it, I was like, you know what, I'm really passionate about getting the word out, you know, about products that I use on a daily basis. And I think that other people can implement and hosting events and you know just like talking to the community and then eventually I was like you know what I think like marketing is kind of what I want to get into or at least some sort of communications based uh, job so then I ended up changing my major to mass communications with a concentration in public relations and I was doing a lot of PR internships and right around that time was when social media marketing was coming out and growing with these PR and marketing agencies so I kind of started going down that route and then by the time I graduated, I was just like, this is what I want to do. Like, I've learned so much and how to be strategic, not only just strategic, but also like be really good at content creation and be creative, you know? And I think those two skill sets kind of meshed to where I am now, both as like a social media specialist and a blogger. So I wouldn't say that the blogging was a result of like doing social media or vice versa. It just kind of happened to work out that way. That's crazy. I really like that. <laughs> That's really crazy. When um, when you started working with brands, was there anything? I remember like the whole concept of brands. I was I was talking about it with Kalia the other day, and just like there are, there's just a lot that you learn. And I've never been on the other side of it because now mm-hmm. like I am a brand, so I'm looking at it from like brand brand to influencer. Mm -hmm. Um, versus like influencer to brand is there like any main things that you have learned from absolutely that like you wish that you would have like had someone be like hey this is just let you know (laughs) just like if you just like yeah absolutely I mean there's so much that I learned and I will say that you know every blogger or influencer will go through this themselves because you'll never be able to learn without having that experience yourself Mm -hmm. or having that like feeling of regret where you're like god why did I do that um (laughs) So one of the biggest things that I learned was saying no and in saying no, not just like leaving people hanging. I think, you know, people tend to, when they first start out blogging or becoming an influencer, really devaluing the value of that relationship between an influencer and the brand. And it's so important. And what I learned was I went from only picking and choosing what emails I responded to. And I would even like not respond to someone and they would follow up with me and I still wouldn't respond to like now I respond to every single email even if it's just to say no or that I'll pass on the opportunity because Mm -hmm. you never know especially if they work for an agency they may move on to a different agency that specializes in you know an industry or a brand that you're a little bit more aligned with so you never want to burn that bridge Um, so I'm a big believer in like cultivating relationships with both marketing um, and PR professionals and then people on the brand side as well. So that's one major thing that I learned. Um, another one was kind of finding that balance. And I don't, I still haven't like totally found, you know, the secret recipe to finding that balance, but finding the balance between being PR friendly and valuing, you know, the work that you do and actually getting paid for what you do. Cause I do, I'm a big believer in being like public relations friendly. So that means like, 
So the biggest thing that I preach about on my Instagram stories, and I don't know if you've seen them, is like what, what PR is and how that's different from advertising and marketing. So PR is earned media. They will not pay you to cover a product because traditionally PR is relationships with like journalists and it's actually really unethical for like a PR person to pay a journalist to write about their client. So it's all like earned. It's like, okay, you have to believe in the story or the brand or the product before you write in it. But then there's that hard, hard line where it's like, okay, but I'm really good at what I do and I'm creating great content. And this PR agency is also using it as like a marketing thing too. So like, where is that line? Mm -hmm. Um, So I've learned how like to communicate with other professionals to see, okay, I always ask if I'm not sure, is there a budget for this project? And if there is like, how can you guys, you know, meet halfway to ensure that you're getting compensated for the work that you're putting in. And if they don't have budget, just kind of assessing, you know, at the end of the day, is this partnership worth not being paid for? Mm -hmm. And there is, again, a lot of value to being PR friendly. And that's one of the things that I've learned and that I'm still like continuing to learn too. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like picking and choosing your battles. Cause like you could say yes to every single thing, but then you would just be running around like, just shouting out brands that you like. Yeah. And that you was, get a photo, you get a photo, you get a photo. Yeah, exactly. And then that was the other thing too that kind of ties into the first thing that I said was like knowing when to say no, like really taking the time to be like, is this a product that I can really stand by? Because there were definitely points in time where I look back on my blog and I'm like, why did I promote that product again? Like it wasn't <laughs> even really that great. And again, like when you're given a product for free, I mean, Sometimes people will say like, oh, there's value in that product, that that product is worth X amount of money. You are really under no obligation to write about the product if you really didn't enjoy it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's so funny that you say that with the value, just with like my experiences recently within like giving out samples to people mm-hmm. and just some people they're like oh it's not free no, I don't want it or vice versa like when um I send like packages to influencers I'm like there's no agreement like you can post about it or you cannot post about it but it's funny how you mentioned earlier like some people it's like they'll accept it almost like with your emails like they'll accept it and then I'll mm-hmm. be like I never hear from them again yeah it's like I wish you would have at least said like hey this just didn't you know go with my lifestyle like absolutely I would 100% respect that so it's like I see where that where like you're coming from on that because I wish that some people would like tell me no absolutely so, like, I'm like hey like, like I, what happened to them did they yeah. hate I'm like, I'm like, did they, they just really didn't like it <laughs> No, I was like, they let me ship it. So, oh. <laughs> but even like negative feedback can be positive for you, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that's why it's just so important, like that communication thing. I know, like, people, especially in this very digital savvy worlds, people don't like communicating sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's just so important. And then one of the things also that I really love that you do on your social media accounts is like, I learn so much when you like go on your stories and you'll be like, Hey, I just want you guys to know, like you, you brought up one time like this, um, the, uh, what was the music festival? The fire fest. Fire fest. <laughs> I never even knew about that. Like, I didn't even know that that was a thing like my whole life until you post about it. And then I was like, Oh, what? There's a documentary. Then I watched the whole documentary, but like that. And then like you were talking about like how, or you've mentioned before how there are certain ways to go about, um, 
like the integrity behind like posting a paid post with like hashtag ad. Yes. Like stuff like that. Like I never even. So important. And I think that's still something to this day that's not heavily regulated. And I get that because, you know, the Federal Trade Commission, they've got bigger fish to fry with celebrities who have like millions of followers and are truly like influencing people to purchase the wrong thing. But yeah, (laughs) exactly. But yeah, like to this day, people still don't. And I see it all the time. Like even, so like my rule of thumb is, and this is all taken from things that I've read on the FTC site, that either you disclose it clearly. So like, I'll either say, you know, I went to an influencer event or, you know, some restaurant hosted me for a meal. And then I'll go into what I have to say about it. If you don't have time to fit that disclosure in there, then a hashtag ad is the simplest thing that you can do to disclose that you have some sort of relationship with whatever brand or restaurant or product that you're talking about. And to this day, I still see things in my feed where I'm like, yeah, I know you got that meal for free, but you still didn't disclose it. And I'm like, as like, I try to put my like consumer cap on and I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is not cool. (laughs) And like, is that stuff that you just had to like learn yourself along the way? Or is that things that like brands make aware to people or like when they're reaching out? I think more often than not, it's something that you have to learn along the way, you know, like I've seen, and I think it helps that I'm in the communications industry. So I'm always looking at like platforms like social media today or ad week where they like talk about instances like that. And I'll read Mashable in the mornings and TechCrunch. Um, And they'll talk about instances like that. They'll talk about, you know, like letters that had to be sent to like Kim Kardashian, um, talking about how there needs to be disclosure. And then I was just kind of like, okay, what is needed from an influencer or a blogger? And there's a great resource that has like all these commonly asked questions and then the answers to them. So there's really no way that you can F it up because like, (laughs) you know, Um, but I think more often lately brands do kind of provide some sort of guidance. So it's less of like, there's less education involved with it than like, you know, reading that resource that I just mentioned, but more so saying like one of the requirements for posting is that you use hashtag sponsored or hashtag ads. So with a lot of the platforms that I use that are third party that connect the influencers to the brands, they won't accept your post and you won't get paid unless you follow that rule. Mm. So it's starting to become a bigger thing. And I think brands understand their reliability and the role that they play in that happening. But hopefully there will be some point where everyone just kind of jumps on this ship and does the quote unquote right thing. But. And then what are some of the things, um, because you have grown your social media account and they're like there's things that um I want to touch on like how to view growth in your social media regardless of the follower count yes I definitely try to drive home the like follower count thing all the time because I get it like there was a point where I was obsessed with my follower numbers there was a point like one and a half years into blogging where I like bought 500 followers because I just wanted the number to go up. And then at the end of the day, you're like, this literally didn't do anything for me. Mm -hmm. I literally spent money on a number that doesn't really that like factor into like, what does that do? Does it just like give you random people? It gives you just like random people. Sometimes they're fake accounts. And I think what really makes me mad about this too is 
a part of me kind of doesn't want me want to say this over the podcast because I don't want someone sabotaging someone else. But yeah. you don't need a login. Like you don't have to log into your Instagram account to buy yourself followers. So if like someone wanted to sabotage you, they could just send followers to your account. And that's oh happened. My God. Not that someone sabotaged yeah. you. Yeah started noticing like I got these notifications that I was getting all these followers at once and I started panicking and then I had to like shut down my account and make it a private account so that the numbers wouldn't start coming in and I waited like I was so scared I waited like a week before I made my account public again that was for this gen girl yeah really yeah I think I like caught it when like I was there was probably like 15 to 30 notifications that came in and I was like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. So then I just made it private because like, you know, when you go through the private option, someone has to request to follow you before they can follow you. So it stopped the number from going up. And I was just like, this is crazy. And it's so unregulated and it's scary, but yeah. So a lot of people, you know, talk about the followers and I get it. It's easy to look at that and be like, oh my God, like Jack has 10,000 followers. And in a lot of ways, Instagram plays a role in that. You know, they really, I know they do a lot to try to bring value to people's feeds and eliminate people from buying followers. But the fact that they make, you know, the swipe up feature in stories only applicable to people who have at least 10,000, they're, they're fueling that, you know, they're fueling that want to have 10,000 followers. Um, but as far as value goes, like the number that I always stand behind is engagement rate. And engagement rate essentially is out of how many people your post reached, how many of those people engaged with you. And that's a really, really good metric and number for people to hone in on just to ensure that they're reaching their intended audience. And that's kind of where that follower number doesn't make sense because if you're buying all these followers, if you're doing these like you know, like comment pods or like, like trains or you're in like a Facebook group and you're asking all these girls to follow you. That's great. They're real people and they may support you in an engagement basis, but they're not purchasing the product that you're talking about. They don't really care. They're really just doing it so that you'll like their stuff back, but Mm -hmm. that's not your intended audience. That's not like an authentic audience. That's, I mean, it's your friends. It's your friends. Right. Like at the end of the day. Barely. (laughs) (laughs) You're a virtual friend friend for friend. Um, But yeah, and I think if you, so I'm, I'm starting to get like very numbers and strategic focus, but like, you know, if you get so hung up on having as many followers as possible, then your engagement rate will actually go down. So you'll put yourself in a negative direction because you're getting people who aren't part of your intended audience into your funnel and they're not engaging with your stuff. And then it makes your numbers look like really, really crummy. Right. So that's what I try to like push out there to people when they talk about followers, but it's hard. I mean, people are going to believe what they want to believe until they go through the process themselves and kind of come to that conclusion on their own. But engagement rate is like the biggest number that I focus on as far as my posts go. And would you say for someone who is trying to develop their um, engagement, whether it be through a lifestyle blogging, whether it be through a business, a hobby, do you feel like there are differences in doing so for the different 
for like being a blogger versus being a business owner versus like your personal or is it just general authenticity? I mean, I think the strategy is essentially the same for like a blogger, for a brand, for like a personal account, but the tactics may vary a little bit depending because it's going to be different. Like what they want, their goals, their objectives that they set for their blog, their brand, their life is going to be inherently different. So I really don't see it any differently than like I do when I look at like clients, for instance, like right now I'm working for the hospital. So I only have one client back when I was doing freelancing, you have multiple clients under different verticals. One may be like a restaurant, one may be a beauty place. And at the end of the day, they all have the same goal and that's to build their customer base, to drive, you know, sales, to, drive awareness but the ways that they go about doing that may be a little bit different so it will vary slightly um but as far as what stays the same it is about being authentic it's about talking about your product your brand yourself in a way that resonates with who your audience want who you want your audience to be and that would be different for each of those things but essentially the way that you would build out like a communication strategy for yourself is like Who's your audience? What do they care about? And then like balance that against what you care about. So a lot of it is like, you know, I'm going to go with donuts because one of my clients used to be a donut place. So like people want like pretty pictures of donuts and different instances in which they can apply donuts into their lives, whether it's like for breakfast or like a midday snack or for their wedding or for their baby shower. So that's kind of a funnel that you put into your objectives as far as like, okay, maybe 20% of my content that I push out on a monthly basis will be pictures of donuts in different settings. But then like, what do you want as a brand? Oh, I want to like provide catering services or I want to be able to be like a, an event venue for people. And that's like, another portion of uh, posts that you push out. So without getting too much into like the craziness, it, to answer your question, it can be a little bit different, like the way that people go about things, uh, what they post, you know, who their audience is, that may be different, but it's all about being authentic. I mean, it's about providing opportunities for your audience to like have conversation and spark stories and share their experiences. I love that you say that because so, so many people um, are under the impression that it's just all about like the time that you spend on social media and the amount of people's posts that you like. And I love that you broke it down into um, what your audience wants and what you want. Cause that's huge. Like you have to, you have to be able to, if you don't enjoy what your audience enjoys, you're not going to be relatable you're just going to look like this person who wants attention. <laughs> like that's, like, I'll that's put like a little like social media tip out there is like, so for clients, you'll create an editorial calendar. People do it like bi-weekly or monthly, but it's important that within those 30, 31 days, you're putting out percentages of what type of content you're pushing out there. So like I'll use a brand as an example. So like, again, the donut example some of it is pictures of donuts. That's great. Some of it is what you want as a brand to build your, to build your company and grow your audience. And then some of it can be like user generated content. So content that you're getting from people sharing that you're sharing on your platforms. 
So your the stuff that you post on a monthly basis isn't going to be all one and the same. Like you said, they'll just be like, oh, wow, she's like really, really into herself. It should satisfy some sort of objective. Um, and you split that content up within the month. So it, for you, for instance, one can be like, and I'm just throwing this out there, like <laughs> things that you can make that incorporate your cookies. You can use them as a topping for a certain recipe or like just ingenious things that you can do within RA cookie. And then, um, you know, another part of it can just be like the person behind the brand. So talking more about Jack and like, what does your day to day look like and engage your audience that way. And then like, you know, you may have three other things that you want to post about but all that falls within like a month's worth of content. You're not going to post 30 days worth of like, hi, I'm Jack. <laughs> hey, if you didn't know, last Monday I mentioned it, but I'm still, <laughs> still doing this week. So when you go to um, batch out your content, and I mostly ask this because I still am like mind blown as to how you balance everything even though you're saying like, you're, you're like, well, it's not like it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a growing balance, but still it's ridiculous. Um, like in a great way, but how do you go about batching at your content? How do you recommend people to do it to maximize like the most of their time and energy to make it consistent? I guess you could say. So is that like taking into consideration, like someone who has a full-time job like I do? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am a big fan of both physical and digital calendars. Like people mm -hmm. rely very heavily on one or another. I still have to have that like physical calendar. Girl, so. I got a planner right in front <laughs> yes. of me right now and I scribble over it. I got wide out. <laughs> people always make fun of me, but I'm like, there's, a, there's something about writing something down. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes. <laughs> so my phone, my digital calendar, it'll have my calendars for work my calendar for personal and my calendar for the blog. But then I have a separate planner that is specifically for blog related things. So I'll carve out, you know, like a few hours per week to sit down and like edit that planner and say, okay, you know, this is what I have coming up. So we'll say products that I've received, restaurants that I've gone to, this is what's coming up in the funnel and then kind of putting a place for it on the calendar. If I'm going to write about it on the blog, um, what time it's going to go out, you know, a reminder to send an email to the brand to let them know that the blog post is live. And then any like supporting social media posts that'll go out that day in support of the blog post and driving back to the website. Um, and I so stick organized. to it. So it's like homework. <laughs> so this is how I've always like approached homework from the, time that I was like in high school and college to like now blogging is my homework and you always set aside time for it and if you don't get everything that you need to get done within that time that you've allocated then that's your own fault for not you know managing your time wisely you'll use it the next day so it's like that's the best way for me personally and I'm an ESTJ so I'm very very structured um, but that's the easiest way for me to like balance everything so between the hours of like nine and five ish even though I work 24 hours a day but between business hours I am you know Jen Tai the social media specialist at Johns Hopkins All Children's Hospital and then during the set times that I have for blogging you know I'm putting on my this Jen girl cap and I'm blogging um, a lot of people like kind of some people just make it work like I don't know how they do it 
they're just like, oh, I'm going to do this this day and that that day. And I think that's something that really helps me personally too, is that I'm blessed to have a, you know, a full-time job that I'm super, super passionate about. So whenever somebody asks me like, do you want to make this gen girl like a full-time thing? I'm like, absolutely not. Cause I know that it would burn me out and I wouldn't enjoy it as much. It is solely a passion project. Um, but it allows me to like put my job first and everything else like flows into place, like with the rest of it. And I always make that very clear, like with my quote unquote clients that I have for like the blog for any like freelance stuff that I do on the side, again, with the communication, like, and just saying no, making it very clear from the get go that like, this is what my priority is. And anything that falls outside of this priority is kind of like, you know, I'll do it as it comes to me, but always putting that sense of like, expectation out there. Um, and that's super important too, especially for people who balance a full time job with blogging is Sometimes people don't know that if you don't tell them that you have a full-time job, they don't know. I get invitations all the time for events that happen from nine to 12 in the morning. And I'm like, you know, I have a full-time job. Um, so being able to set that expectation with brands that you're working with. And if for some reason, like you promised a blog post or promised a post on this certain day and you didn't get, get to it in time because something happened, then own up to it and explain because everybody understands that life happens, you know, emergencies happen, work comes first. Um, and if you can be transparent about that and like open the lines of communication for that, I mean, I've gone through it time and time again, and it's been just fine. <laughs> and what are your goals with this gen girl? Just really to like, so I will say there's a part of me that always wants to build those collaboration opportunities. I was so excited at the end of December and early January of this year when I landed like my biggest collaboration to date. And it was with like one of the largest hotel chains. I was super excited about it and I was proud of it. And I was like, okay, let's see what we can do next, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so there is a part of me that, you know, strives for more collaborations and bigger collaborations and more ways to like make money off of what I'm passionate about but really it's honestly just to like keep doing what I'm doing and if anything keep doing it more authentically like I don't think there's ever you can never be too authentic about something you yeah. know like there's all we always like find a little flaw in something that we do when we're influencers like there are plenty of times when I'm like I come across as like a little bit too like advertising ish in that post or like, is I a little too basic with this caption or was it right that I like posted about this brand that I wasn't really a huge fan of? Um, so really it's just like maintaining the authenticity of the brand, if not elevating it a little bit more um, and just growing with opportunities. I think a part of me is in a weird way proud when I say no to like a partnership it is a line with very like, empowering like, yes I'm mm -hmm. like I felt like I always feel good about it you're like thank you but no <laughs> yeah so I think like the main things are just like keep on doing what I'm doing keep writing about places that I love to eat at things that I love to do places that I love to go and not losing or like you know, alienating my audience mm -hmm. and not being so hung up on like, if someone unfollows you, that's, oh, yeah. a, I think I've like 
I've, I've kind of sort of gotten over it. Like no one really ever like gets over it. Cause they're like, did that person not like me? And then they get <laughs> in head. But like, like what Kalia was saying in her recent posts, like yeah. if you don't serve the person or the person doesn't serve you, you're under no obligation to continue following them, you know? And I think it's just so easy in this social media driven world to get butt hurt by people's actions on social media. But at the end of the day, like take a step back and let's just say like, we are all an episode of Black Mirror. I say that like all the time. We are literally like an episode of Black Mirror and it's scary to me. And for those who don't watch Black Mirror, it's essentially like a sci-fi Twilight Zone type series on Netflix where it's like very digital focused. And there are just so many episodes where I'm like, that, that's where we are now. <laughs> I accidentally started that. I didn't realize when you um, like watch Black Mirror, I don't know if it's the only one, I think it is like one of the only ones on Netflix, but when you like click on it, it brings you to the last season first. So I accidentally watched, I accidentally watched the first episode of the last season. Oh. And someone, yeah, and someone, when I told somebody, I was like, none of it made it. I was like, someone was like, have you watched it? I was like, I watched one episode and it didn't make any sense. And I was describing it. They were like, you're really far in. I was like, no, I just started. <laughs> And they're like, no, that's definitely season four. And I looked back and I literally, I was like, I don't know if that ruins it, but it made no sense at all. <laughs> I think each episode, there are some episodes that are like contingent upon past ones, but like most of them are just like single episodes you could watch through and not have watched the prior seasons to get mm -hmm. it. But there is like one episode that I'll always like remember. And it was with the girl who plays the, she's the lead actress in Jurassic Park. I just Ooh. can't. What her name is but she plays this character who essentially like they live in this world where everything's kind of like you know how like when you get an uber and you leave an uber you rank your uber like mm -hmm. five stars or whatnot so like the world was based on that so you would have interactions with people and then you would rate their inner your interaction with person and she used to be like all high society but then like a string of unfortunate events you know she was just having like these mishaps and people would rate her like a two and she goes completely berserk. Like, just, like, nothing crazy happens to her. She doesn't kill it or anything. She just goes crazy and, like, makes a complete fool out of herself at a friend's wedding. It's, like, super embarrassing. But that's us right now. Like, yeah, we get no, that's so true. on the likes and the follows that, like, sometimes we end up going crazy on our Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the best place to go crazy. That's my, <laughs> that's my favorite spot because you can express it more than a night. Um, well, with that, that you just said, what do you recommend for people to focus on when they are building their accounts and what to not pay attention to? Like the likes, the comments, like just your all around advice for utilizing your social media for your growth. Yeah. I mean, don't pay attention to the followers. Like the followers will come. If you're providing content that's valuable and engaging with your audience in a valuable way, your follower count will rise, you know, because people mm -hmm. who may be interested in what you have to say or the topics that you cover will see their friends engaging with you in a way that's like genuine and not just like the awesome or like great, you know? Right. And, you got it, girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you rock. This post, awesome. <laughs> Which is why I don't understand. Like, people will do, like, the third-party services where, like, the third-party service will leave, like, a comment on a post that utilizes, like, a certain hashtag. And it drives me nuts because it's not 
authentic at all, but like, you know, you just want to like drive conversation. You want people to ask questions. You want people to share their stories. Like that's the most important thing that you can really strive for when you're growing your brand, not growing your following, but growing, you know, the people who are interacting with you and the things that they have to share with you, which is why like both as a social media specialist and as like a blogger slash influencer, one of my biggest things is community management. There are so many brands that don't respond to people who comment on their posts. And that's like, so mind blowing, which is weird to me because you're like, someone has taken the time to like write something to you. Mm -hmm. The least that you can do is respond back. But if you really want to take an elevated a step above, like you can actually have a conversation with that person and ask them questions or give them feedback. Um, so like, those are really the main things that someone can do to grow their platform, whether it's from scratch or just elevate their efforts that they're already doing. Focus less on like the following and more on, you know, great visual content, but also great valuable content and like what you post about in your captions, how you're utilizing that imagery to like tell your story. Um, and engaging with people within there. And, you know, there are options in addition to like calculating what your engagement rate is um, to see, you know, how many people saved your post, how many people sent your post to someone else because they thought mm -hmm. that it was relevant to them, how many people saw your, your posts that weren't following you and then followed you as a result of it. Like all those types of metrics are the metrics that you really want to be focusing on so that you can optimize your you know, content strategy from there. You can say, okay, this posted really well because one, the visuals were really, really colorful, but also like the caption was long and I told this story of something that I learned along my journey and people really, you know, resonated with it um, and then build future content based off of that performance. I couldn't agree more. I'm so <laughs> happy that we finally got this me too me too girlfriend <laughs> it took forever <laughs> I was like last time and I was like I was gonna do it and then I was like I looked at my hand I was like no we like you said we want you on your on feeling your best you know right? but I appreciate you coming on here so very much I can't wait to launch this and have it out for everybody because I just love how authentic you are and real you are and you don't just um spit out like you don't just try and like gas people up if you know what I mean it's it's not thank about thank you. <laughs> it's, it's just very refreshing to meet people because I, I know a few business owners already who are in like the be beginning stages of their business and like they're already hiring people to comment back um to people who are reaching out to them and I'm like they're reaching out because they want to talk to you yes you know that's what I mean thing is, that's a that's so big like Maybe when you're like, when you're um, like OPI, I get it. A lot of people probably yeah, comment yeah, on your post. Exactly. You're probably going to need it. But when you're in the beginning stages, like, 100%. how are you going to know what they're saying? You need to and know, like, like, even as like a small business, if you grow to the point where you're so busy focusing on the growth of your business that you don't have time for social media, that's fine. But making sure that you find a social media person that can you know, latch on to your brand voice and your personality and the things that you stand for with your business is so important. There's not just one like person that you can grab that's immediately going to be like, 
yes, this is the brand that I'm representing. And when I'm talking back to these people, they truly feel like they're engaging with someone who believes in the brand. Um, but yeah, what you're saying is like crazy to me. Like you want to drive valuable engagement. And like you said, people are reaching out to you because they want to talk to like the you, owner of the brand, not the social media person that you hired to respond to them. They're just like, they give their like life story and it's like, thanks girl, you rock. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you did not read a thing I just wrote. <laughs> but anyways, I appreciate you coming on here so very much. And uh, yeah, thank you for taking the time out of your day to do this. Yeah, I was just about to say the same thing to you. Thank you for having me and thank you for making time for me. I super, super appreciate it. Yeah. And I appreciate the opportunity to kind of you know use this podcast as a way to like speak the word and try to get people to do better social media things thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the revival podcast if you love this episode make sure you subscribe and leave a review letting me know your thoughts and do not forget to head to revivalbyjack.com to see just what all of the hype is about